Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the I Had to Change podcast. This is your host, Charlotte Lewis. And today we are going to talk about freedom. I mean, come on, we just celebrated the 4th of July. What else could we be talking about? But I'm going to talk about it from a completely different standpoint. Are you ready to live free? All right, sit back, relax, and uh, you may want to get out your pen. Take a few notes. It's time to live in freedom. I am so excited about today's podcast because I get to talk about one of my favorite subjects, life. Uh, My husband defines life as living in freedom every day, Uh, living in freedom every day. And uh, he's been saying that for years and years and years. And uh, there were many years where I didn't really catch it. I didn't really get it because I really wasn't living in freedom. And there was a part of me who believed that um, it was almost impossible to live in freedom on a daily basis. And mainly because my mindset wasn't there yet. I wasn't where he was. Uh, Living in freedom every day doesn't mean that your day, uh, that every day is a perfect day or a beautiful day or an awesome day. It just means that no matter what's going on, you choose to live in freedom. But we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, But why am I talking about freedom? Freedom today. Obviously, we just celebrated. uh, I guess our country just celebrated uh, because I know plenty of people that aren't celebrating. I I don't know if I'm I was really celebrating, uh, but the 4th of July, uh, Independence Day. Um, and it just had me to really reflect and think about freedom, uh, not so much as a country, but personally for myself, freedom. What does that look like in my life? Um, and as a matter of fact, today, I came across uh, this post on Instagram by a uh, a podcaster that I follow and um, really love her work, and uh, it was a podcast. Uh, no, it wasn't a podcast. It was a, a it was a post, and um, it talked about uh, the difference between or or not even a difference, but the the habits of wealthy people, the habits of wealthy people, and the difference between the habits of wealthy people and people that were not of wealth. And uh, the, the post uh, cited research, uh, there was this guy who actually guessed did this research about wealthy people. And what he defined as wealthy people was anyone making over $160,000 a year uh, with at least $3.2 million of net assets. And then compared it to people that made uh, $35,000 a year or less with assets under $5,000. So as I was reading that, um, obviously, uh, all the research was there. I really wasn't surprised by some of the findings uh, that kind of jumped out at me. It was was a very lengthy post. Um, But some of the findings that jumped out at me that really wasn't surprising to me was that wealthy people read more. They were well-read. As a matter of fact, they were reading um, up to two books or more, two books a month. Um, And I don't mean, you know, reading as in magazines, as in social media, you know, scrolling, 
uh, or even reading, you know, romance novels. They were reading books um, that were educational books, that uh, self-help books, books that were pertaining to their industry or whatever it is that they were doing. Uh, so they were reading two plus books a month. Uh, they obviously they spent less time watching TV. I'm guessing because they're reading. <laughs> Uh, they had mentors around them. They invested in themselves, um, invested in their education, invested in their businesses, invested in, you know, learning opposed to just, you know, investing in some of the stuff that I, even I've invested in, you know, hair, nails, shoes, bags, etc. Nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. But uh, the majority of their investment doesn't mean that you can't buy what you like, but their investment was really in getting them to the next level. Um, and the other thing was passion. Uh, wealthy people had more passion about what they did, a passion about their jobs, passions about their careers, about building uh, and going to the next level. Um, and then the other thing was that they were surrounded themselves, their circle, they surrounded themselves with other wealthy people opposed to here we go opposed to people with poor habits uh these are the people as i said earlier thirty-five thousand dollars or less etc who believed that their fate watch this their fate dictated their financial circumstances so they kind of gave up. They weren't like, well, I can't be wealthy or I can't get to the next level because, you know, that's just the way it is. This is the way my mom and them have always been and no one in my family's ever been wealthy. You know, it's that mindset. They just think that their fate, well, you know, this happened in our life. So therefore we can never get to where they maybe, and I don't even know if they're insp uh, aspiring to get there, but they just believe that their faith dictated their financial circumstance. Um, what's another characteristic? They did not save. They were not givers. I didn't mention that with the wealthy people, but wealthy people are givers. They're willing to give to charitable contributions to their churches, etc. Um, okay, so people with poor habits, uh, they had no passion. They lacked zeal or passion. They gossiped. Yeah, that was on the list. It said that uh, people that were not wealthy loved the gossip. I guess to talk about what they don't have I don't know or to talk about people that do have I, I don't know um, and that their circle of influence did not include anyone with wealth so literally people that had poor habits chose to surround themselves with people that have bad habits um, obviously if you're around people that are negative you're going to be negative if you're around people that don't want any more in their life they don't want any more and then uh, the, this other one that jumped out at me mentioned that they uh, did not plan. So people that um, have poor habits do not plan. And that one for me was probably one of the most disturbing ones that they had no plan, no action, no goals. Uh, they weren't looking forward to anything. And today's podcast, let me just backtrack. Today's podcast is not about wealth. Um, how to become rich, how to become, you know, wealthy or anything like that. But I'm talking about freedom in terms of wealth in your spirit, wealth in your life. Um, this podcast today is about freedom and your freedom, your freedom, your freedom. There is a uh, a scripture that's one of my favorites. Uh, it's in uh, 3 John uh, 
chapter one, uh, only one chapter, third uh, uh, John one and two that says this, beloved, I pray that in all respects, you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. You know, we want our, we want to be healthy. Uh, we want wealth in our life, um, but we want our souls. We want good health, spiritual health, financial health, emotional health um, in all areas in our life. That's right. In all areas. Uh, we shouldn't just want to be rich and then have a jacked up, you know, mind or be rich and spiritually we dead. Uh, we want our souls to prosper all around. So what am I talking about again? I'm going, I'm going to keep going back to it. Freedom, freedom, freedom in Christ and freedom can only be attained when we, we believe by faith that it can only be attained, maintained in Christ. That's the only way. And you know, the type of freedom where you can live your best life, no matter your circumstance, no matter your position, no matter what you've been through, no matter what your current situation is, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter your struggle and no matter your past, doesn't matter who your parents were, what you've been through, um, you can still obtain freedom. You know, no matter where I'm at, no matter what platform or or what I talk about, um, none of that has anything to do with my freedom. You know, I can, I can give you five tips on how to do this, 10 steps on how to do that. Uh, you can write them down and you can get excited and you can get encouraged and you can believe that you can do it. Uh, I can do all things and you know, all of that stuff. You can go from conference to conference. You can listen from one podcast to the next podcast, all of that stuff. Um, but nothing will change until you change your mindset that you must do the work. You can talk all about living in freedom, but it's not until you change your mind, your mindset that you can do that. So, you know, and I always say you got to do the work. And it's funny because people listen to me and then after a while, they finally ask the question, you know, what, so what exactly is doing the work. What exactly does that mean? You know, Charlotte, when you say do the work, what does that really mean? And I get that question all the time. Um, and the truth is, you know, people really don't want to do the work. They're looking for this magic silver bullet um, or a scripture to hold on to or a three-step program that if they do one, two, three, and four, and five, you know, that everything will just automatically change. That if I just do this one thing, or I just say this one prayer, or I just do this one thing, everything will change. Um, but unfortunately, that's not doing the work. Doing the work is simply this, two things. You know, this is, this is how I look at what doing the work is. It's two things. And that is obedience and submission. Yikes, I know. That, that's the part that nobody wants to do. Um, obedience and submission. Um, and I'm not talking obedience or submission to, to a particular person. I'm talking obedience and submission unto God, you know, who he has called us to be and saying, you know what, God, not my will, but your will. I'm going to be obedient in the work that you're going to give me to do obedient in 
renewing my mind, obedient in renewing my heart, obedient in doing the work and, and dealing with the issues in my life. It's not until then that things, you know, are going to start changing. Yeah, I had the opportunity last week to sit uh, sit with and share my heart with some of the women in our congregation. Um, and I kind of declared to them that I was going to stop. Okay, listen, as I was going to stop um, pulling them, but instead I was going to start pushing them. Uh, because for so many years, I feel like I was pulling them. And what I mean by pulling them is, you know, my, my job, the way that I look at it sometimes is uh, being a first lady, uh, being an executive pastor, being kind of the mother of the house. I've kind of taken on this role of, you know, being mother hen. Um, sometimes the way I do with my own children, like I want it so much for them that that I coddle them and I try to do it for them. And I'm constantly going here, do this. And when I see them go this way, I, I pull them back up and I'm like, no, don't do this. Don't do that. Try it this way. Try it my way. Try it, you know, all of this stuff. And um, I realized that I could no longer do that, that I would push them towards what they think that God is calling them to do, but I can't do it for them. You know, a lot of times we get in the way of helping people because we want it more than they do. You know, just because they've told us, you know, I want this or I want to change or, you know, I want to do this better. I want to be a better mother. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better Christian. And because they say that, we take on the work for them and we're trying to do it for them. And then when they go backwards, you know, we don't understand because we're like, what? what's the problem here? How come you're not doing this? So God basically told me, you, you got to stop pulling. You got to stop pulling them out and allow me to pull them out, right? Allow God to pull them out. Um, and you just, you know, you got to give them a push every now and then you got to push them out of the nest. That's your job. Equip them, tell them where they can find it. And the rest of the stuff is, is on them. They have to do the work. They have to do their work on their, on their own. Uh, so I shared this with the ladies and, and I felt this weight even being taken off of me that I no longer have to be the person that kind of feels responsible for doing the work for someone else. Because when they weren't doing the work and they messed up or they went the wrong way or whatever you want to call it, you know, I felt like I was responsible because, you know, maybe I didn't give a word, give them a word that they really needed when really the word comes from, from God. So, and, and I got to be honest, it was so hard for me. Because, you know, I fought so hard for my own freedom. And now that I'm walking in it, and again, I feel like I walk in freedom. Well, I know I walk in freedom every day because it's a choice. It is my mindset. That doesn't mean that every day, again, every day is not, you know, sunshine and rainbows and puppies and kittens. No, it's not. You know, I live in the real world and stuff happens. Um, and bad days come about and hard days come and hurt happens and sadness happens and you know, all of this stuff happens even to me, to everybody. But I still choose freedom in each and every day. So because I'm at this place now, I have this feeling like I believe that everybody can live in freedom. So I wanted sometimes so much more than even other people wanted for their own life. And it's not that they don't want it. It's that they can't see it yet. They can't see it yet. You know, 
the hard lesson that I'm learning is that not everyone that says they want it is willing to walk the scary, difficult, um, obstacle-laden road, because it's, it's full of obstacles, of freedom. And it's easier to tell ourselves we don't deserve it, we're not worth it, it's too late for us, we're too damaged, we're too, you know, we've gone through too much, um, you know, my life can't change at this point, I'm too old, you know, I got too many... It, whatever it is that the enemy tries to tell us that we can't do. And it's very easy for us to kind of give up and just say, well, you know what? This is my lot in life. This is just the way that it's going to be. This is the way it's always been. And we just subscribe to this. And I want to come against that. You know, we ought to come against that mindset because that is not it. Because going back to the article that I read, you know, the post that I saw was there is a difference between people that are that are, you know, healthy and wealthy and people that are not. And it's really what we believe about ourselves. Are we worth it? You know, so if, if, if this is you, if I'm talking to you, if you can identify with what I just said, meaning, you know, you think that you don't deserve it or that you're not worth it, then I'm telling you right now, stop it. Stop it. Stop believing the lies the enemy has used to stop you from your life in freedom. The only thing standing in the way of your freedom is you and your thoughts. It is you and the lies that the enemy spoke to you either as a little girl, growing up, sometime in middle school, sometimes in high school, uh, grammar school, something your parents may have spoken over your life, something somebody, you know, uh, an ex-boo, fiance, whatever, anybody, a boss, it doesn't matter. It is a lie. It is a lie and you have to stop it. The only thing standing in the way is you and your thoughts. Um, you know, how can we quote, and, and I hear it all the time from Christians, you know, we quote this, you know, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Yet, how can we continue to live in bondage while we're quoting that scripture? You know, where the spirit is, there's there's freedom, there's liberty, all of that, we, we, we quote the stuff and we, 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 you know, quote the things that we hear at, at church and we take it home. And by the time we get home, we forget, <laughs> we forget what was said, but then we still choose to live in bondage because that's what we're doing. You know, how can we believe the word yet not live it out? You know, do we really believe it doesn't apply to us? And that's where many people are stuck. They, they hear the word, they may even believe the word of God, but it doesn't apply. You know, and if that's what the enemy told you, again, I'll tell you, stop it. And I say that because that's what he used to tell me. That's my story. He used to tell me that none of this applied to you. Yeah, Jesus died, you know, for the rest of them, but not really for you because you're too damaged. You're too messed up. All of that. That's the stuff that I used to believe, but that is a lie. You know, are you used to, you know, to all this thinking, thinking that it doesn't even now that it, when it comes up, it doesn't even cross your mind anymore. You know, we have to understand that when we read those words, when we read the promises in the Bible, when when we quote the scriptures, he is talking about us. He's talking about you. 
You are the righteousness of Christ. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the one that he died for. Yes, you. You with your messed up self, with your messed up past, with all of the sins that you've committed and all of the things that you've done. Yeah, you. He loved you that much. He loved you that much. He loved me that much. And that's what we have to constantly tell ourselves over and over. You know, you can live in freedom the same way that I can. That's what we have to understand, that you are worthy. You know, my life changed when I really renewed my mind on this one scripture, Romans 12 and 2. Got a tattoo of it, as a matter of fact, because it changed my mind. It changed my life because it said that we you know that we have to renew our minds it was it was kind of the thing that changed everything for me it's like I have to live in a renewed mind that means it's possible for me to have a renewed mind it's possible for me to to think differently than I've always thought because if I need to renew my mind that means that obviously that there's a problem in the way that I think there's a problem in the way that I think and so I had I had to go back you know, it, it says this, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, do not conform to the patterns of this world. In, in, in so many words, stop doing what everybody else is doing. Stop doing the stinking thinking that everybody else is doing. Stop thinking the way that everybody else is thinking. You know, I, I love the message version because it says this, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering, as an offering back to the way that we live in freedom is by submission. It's about surrender, you know, surrender, Lay your life before God. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to fit into the culture without even thinking about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. That changed it for me. It's the mindset. I realized that there could be a change. You know, so then people ask me, what's the work? The work is simple, <laughs> obedience and submission. But what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? And I'll just share that with you, what it looks like in my life and what I try to, I don't even want to say teach people because it's not something that I can really teach you. It's something I can tell you. And now you have to figure that out for yourself. But, you know, what's required to live an obedient lifestyle? You know, number one, what's required for an obedient lifestyle, as far as I'm concerned, is is believing that you deserve it. To understand that Christ died for you so 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 you could live he did it for you and that requires a mind shift it requires a reprogramming in in, in, a, in a way you know what you used to think about yourself what people said about you what your experiences were what your expectations are those are the things that you have to shift in your life but in order for you to shift that in order for you to figure that out you have to start believing what God says about you is true and then and in order for you to do that is you even you have to read the word of God to even understand it you know so many people nowadays are getting their bible from Facebook from Instagram from wherever 
you know, people aren't really opening up their Bible to read it anymore. It's like we hear a quote or we see a quote on, on Facebook and because it sounds biblical, we're like, oh, that must be a scripture and, or, or, you know, that sounds great. That that's for me. And it's like, but that's not even scripture. It's not even biblical. So you're believing something about yourself. That's not even true. You have to go into the word of God to find out what he says about you. You know, you need to know the truth, who God created you. How did he create you? What does he say about you? So number one, you got to believe. You got to believe that you deserve it, that you are worthy of the change. And then number two, uh, here's the hard one. You got to stop making excuses. You got to stop making excuses. Okay, so everybody in your family has been in debt. So no one in your family ever went to college. Okay, so everybody, every woman in your family has gotten a divorce or had, you know, babies early and had different baby daddies and all of this stuff. So what? How about you be the change? How about you be the first person not to do that? How about you be the the the, the change agent, right? You know, people make excuses for any for everything. I mean, you know, I get the opportunity to to counsel and and to speak to so many women on almost a daily basis. And I've heard so much over the years, but the excuses, like I can spot an excuse a mile away. You know, not to sometime last year, I was working with a woman that was going through, you know, a uh, difficulties in, in her marriage. And uh, so I suggested, you know, one of the, the, the most important things is, you know, go to counseling. If he won't go to counseling, then go to counseling yourself and start working on yourself. So she started going to counseling. And after like the second session, you know, I, I asked her, how's counseling going? And her response was, well, it doesn't work. It's not working. And I'm like, well, how many times have you gone? And she was like, you know, two or three times. Well, of course it's not working. Like you couldn't have even worked on anything that the counselor has, has told you. So my follow-up question was, well, what did she tell you to do? Well, she told me to do X, Y, Z. I'm like, well, did you do any of those things? Well, no. Well, of course it's not working. You haven't done anything that the counselor asked you to do. So yes, you're right. Counseling isn't working for you because you're not doing the work. You know, same goes for people. Oh, I want to lose weight. I'm going to the gym. I'm doing this. And they go to the gym, you know, for a month or two months and they're not losing the weight that they want to lose or whatever their goals are. And they quit and say, well, it doesn't work. Well, why doesn't it work? Have you changed your eating habit? Have you changed your sleeping habits? Have you done any of the other things that are connected to just working out? Well, no, I still eat the same. I still go to bed late at night, get up early. Well, of course you're not losing weight. You can't say it doesn't work because you're not really making any changes. Okay, let me come down uh, your road and, you know, and up on your porch and ring your doorbell for us Christians. You know, so many people always tell me, well, you know, First Lady, I've, um, I have I tried tithing. And, you know, I was tithing for like uh, a couple weeks, a couple of months, whatever, whatever it is. And, you know, things have gotten worse. And, you know, the windows of heaven haven't opened up for me and God has not given me uh, an abundance of blessing. And, you know, I tried it and it, it didn't work. And I'm thinking to myself, so number one, you're tithing in order to get something, which anyway, that's a whole nother, whole nother podcast there. But it's like, 
we we live in this society now where we want to try something and it, if it doesn't work within a week or a month and even a year we're ready to give up you know think about all of the people in the bible that had an immediate blessing you know immediately the blind was able to see immediately it stopped the flow of blood immediately you know they were healed but what I always think about is we all want an immediate blessing and immediate healing, but it took years for them to get healed. I mean, the man at the pool of Bethesda, I mean, like 18 plus years. What, the thing is, it took years for them to get it. And we do something. We go to counseling for six months and we think it's not working because we're not willing to put in the time. We want everything fast. And we look at people and go, oh, they're an overnight sensation or because, you know, social media or the media itself altogether puts this label on people going there were an overnight success. When in reality, the overnight success people have been doing what they were doing for years and nobody came to their concerts. For years, nobody came and saw the play. For years, nobody, you know, people acted like they weren't even celebrity status. And then all of a sudden, somebody calls them an overnight success and everybody want to be part of it. So we have to be, uh, you know, cognizant of that, you know, so yeah, stop with the excuses. Stop it. We have to stop the excuses. You can do it if you stop the excuses. Then number three, you know, you have to focus. We have to focus. What is it that you really want? If you say you want to live in freedom every day, then you have to be focused on that. That means uh, going back to, to my intro your focus should be, okay, if this article or whatever podcast, whatever is telling me that, you know, wealthy or people that are wealthy or think wealthy do these things, now I have to focus on doing some of these things. That means I may have to check my circle. I may have to start hanging around different people. It means I have to go into different environments. I have to get out of my comfort zone. Hello, get out of the comfort zone. I have to do all of these things that that are differently in order for me to have a different result. I can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I have to focus. So if I want to start a business, my focus has to be around business. I don't have time to be on social media unless it is to build my business. I don't have time to watch TV unless I'm watching an educational show on how to build my business. We lose focus. When Peter walked on on uh, on the water, you know he. You've heard the sermon a thousand times. He when he lost focus is when he started sinking. He lost focus. He stopped looking at Jesus. What is your focus? No matter what it is, even if it is you know um, doing what God has called you to do, doing the Lord's work or whatever, whether it's in ministry, whether it's in the marketplace and business, whatever it is, what is your fo focus? If your focus is to repair your marriage, then do that. Everything that you do should have something to do with your marriage. You can't be talking negative about your spouse. You can't be talking negative to your, about your spouse to other people. You, you have to spend time with your spouse. You have to go to counseling. You have to work on yourself. You have to pour into them. Your focus needs to be on that one thing and not act like it just miraculously is going to do it on its own while I'm waiting for a miraculous healing. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> you know, faith without works is dead. That's what the Bible teaches us. 
faith without you can have all the faith in the world that you're going to get a job but if you never fill out an application it's not going to come to you okay focus so what's next preparation and planning i told you earlier one of the the, the things that uh that really surprised me of people that um you know had a had a poor disposition or or, or poor thought pattern was there was no planning no goal setting, no preparation. How can you do anything if you're not preparing or planning? You know, it's funny. Uh, my husband and I had this conversation the other day. I had uh, reminded him of a conversation that he and I had probably, um, it was probably about eight or nine years ago. Uh, my husband and I went to Florida and we were going to this conference. I don't even remember what the conference was. Uh, but it had something to do with personal training at the time. We still had our gym then. And um, after the conference, we had dinner and it was I mean, it was just a beautiful dinner. It was right uh, near the beach. We could see the ocean from the window and we were sitting there and we had this, I don't even know, brainstorming session. I don't even think that's what it was. It was more of a a wish, a wish list, you know, conversation. And we talked about, how we wanted our life to be, you know, and we were believing by faith that there will come a time when one day, neither one of us had to get up early in the morning and get to work. Meaning, oh, I gotta, I gotta get going because I gotta get in the car to get into traffic to get to this job. Um, so we talked about how, what it would be like to be able to wake up whenever we woke up, uh, go to the gym in the morning, take care of our bodies, you know, take the kids to school. And that's before we homeschooled. And we even talked about a little bit, what if we homeschool? It was just kind of a thought at that time. Uh, just something we threw out. Um, we could spend time with our family. We could go on vacations whenever we wanted to. This is also before we started the church. Um, you know, we just had this like, wow, life would be so awesome if one day we could do that. And uh, so the other day we were riding in the car and I thought about that conversation. I said, you know, we said that about eight or nine years ago. And I said, we're literally living that life. You know, yeah, we both still work, but we don't punch a clock, meaning we don't have to be at, at, at somebody's job. We're, we're entrepreneurs. We're working, uh, you know, we're entrepreneurs. We make our own money. We, we pastor a church. Now, that wasn't in our plan. That definitely was God's plan. We had not. We never said, wouldn't it be cool to be a pastor? Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, kudos to anybody that, that grows up and that wants to be a pastor. I'm telling you, whoo, Lord, I, I don't think I would choose it, but I wouldn't. I, I'm glad that we were chosen, but it's not something that I probably would, would, have, cho uh, would have chosen for myself. But I thank God that, that, that he saw fit to choose us to, to do this. Um, but yeah, I was just like, wow, like we get up pretty much, you know, when we, when we want to, uh, we get up early. Well, my husband anyway, you know, he's up at five or five thirty every morning for prayer. Uh, I get up, I get to have my cup of coffee. I go into the praying room. I take my time before the girls, uh, you know, the kids wake up. Um, I get out, you know, I water my plants outside. I get on the computer. I do some work. Then I go sit down. So I'm living the life that I believe that I could have eight years ago. And it took eight years for us to get to where we are now. 
And I'm believing it could be so much better. I could believing, you know, now we're talking about at some point, we're going to pay off our mortgage early. At some point, we're going to be completely debt free. Um, and I mean, mortgage wise, not just credit cards, like most people just don't want to have debt credit card, but yet they're still paying on cars and houses. I'm talking about debt free altogether. No car notes, no house note, no nothing except for our bills. And I'm still believing those are the things that we're talking about now. And I'm believing that God showed us, look what happened in eight years. Imagine what could happen in another eight. Imagine what could happen in five. Imagine what could happen in 15 years. So those are the things that that you have to be able to see it. You have to prepare and you have to plan. And so when we had this conversation eight years ago, it wasn't just wishful thinking. We started putting a plan in place. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? And guess what? In the middle of that, we had obstacles. In the middle of that, we had different assignments that God gave us, like start a church. That wasn't part of the plan. But now we had to incorporate that into everything else that we wanted for our lives. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you that we're sitting here healthy, wealthy, and oh my God, we don't do anything during the day. No, we work hard (laughs) every day. And we still have days when things get tight and we still have days where we're like, okay, we got a decision to make what we're going to pay first, right? But we know that God is a provider and he will continuously provide for us because the one thing that I talked about earlier, tithing, we're tithers and givers above and beyond. You know, we give above and beyond the tithe. And that tells me that, you know, I'm believing God's word. As long as I am, I'll never go without. Like you can't outbe God's giving. Because I give, I'll always have. And I don't mean just tangible like money. I'm talking about anything that I give. You know, I give love. I'm going to get it back. Doesn't mean I can't get hurt. However, I know that there are always going to be people out here that's going to love me. So I don't want to get off. Here's the, the fifth one and final one I want to give you is check your circle. Is check your circle. Who around you is pushing you to the next level? Who around you is willing to say, yes, keep going or no, I think you may be going in the wrong direction. Wealthy people, people that are wealthy um, and not just, you know, not just financially, but wealthy spiritually, they're wealthy emotionally. They have other wealthy people in their circle, in their lives. If everybody around you is broke, you're going to stay broke. I'm sorry to tell you. If everybody around you is miserable, you're going to be miserable. You know, miserable people hang around miserable people. Why? Because they can continue to be miserable. I mean, think about it. How many times have you, you just have the best demeanor and you're just like, oh, life is great. And then all of a sudden you're around a bunch of miserable people. They'll remind you of how miserable life is. And the next thing you, you're going to like, yeah, you're right. You know, we all going to be broke. We all going to do this. Yeah. You know, things don't ever work out. We have to be careful. You know, miserable people or negativity, you know, keeps you from from holding yourself accountable. They won't even hold you accountable. You know, so we have to be able uh, to recognize those things. We have to recognize the people around us. And we have to say, and I'm not saying, you know, kick all your friends to the curb that are miserable, but, you know, limit the time that they influence you. 
And then when you start changing, when you start having a better attitude, then you need to get around them and you need to, you know, push them to where you are. That's our job is to push them, is to push them to where they say that they want to go, but you can't pull them anymore. So you have to really check your circle. If, if, if your goal is to, you know, to have a better marriage is to get your marriage to another, to another level, you can't be around people that have miserable marriages. Cause guess what? All of y'all are going to sit around and talk about how bad your marriage is. That's not helping you. You need to go around other people who have healthy marriages and you got to ask them, why is it healthy? What have you guys been through that, that, that you can help me with? Cause the reality is healthy marriages are only healthy because of what they've been through. There isn't anyone out here with a healthy marriage that's never been through anything. And most of the time that really healthy marriages are the ones that have gone through so much. And I say that because out of personal experience, the things that my husband and I have experienced in our marriage, you'd be like, whoa, they're still married? Yeah. And we have a thriving, healthy, beautiful marriage. I love marriage. But that doesn't mean that every day is a good day. It doesn't mean that sometimes he doesn't get on my nerves or vice versa. That's part of life. It is part of life. So freedom, you can do it. You can certainly live in freedom. So I pray that today uh, I gave you something to, to chew on. I gave you something to think about. I gave you, yeah, I gave you five, five points again. <laughs> but again, if you want to live in freedom, you have to not just go, okay, yeah, I got to believe it. I got to stop making excuses. I got to focus. I got to prepare and plan. I got to check my circle. You actually have to do it. You have to do the work. And the work starts with you being submitted. The work start, uh, starts with you, um, you know, giving yourself to Christ. That's where it starts. That's where you need to start. It starts with discipline, obedience. Obedience requires discipline. And discipline is something that many of us have a hard time with. I don't like it either, <laughs> but it has become a staple in my life because without discipline, Discipline means I'm going to do it even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to be nice even when I don't want to. I'm going to pray for my enemies even though I feel some kind of way. I'm going to love on people even when I know they're talking about, about me behind my back. I'm going to love you anyway. That's part of ministry. We got to love people where they're at because the reality is some of them are talking about me or doing things or, or whatever you want to call it, haters and all that other stuff, which I don't really care. I don't focus on that stuff anymore. It used to bother me. Now I'm like, whatever. It doesn't bother me anymore. You know why? Because they are where they are because they haven't chosen freedom yet. And until they do, then they'll change and they won't be doing the stuff that they're doing now. So I love you guys. Uh, if this was a blessing to you, do me a favor go ahead and uh, share it with somebody, subscribe to the page, uh, subscribe to, to the podcast, uh, follow me um, on all social media outlets. Um, but again, you can live in freedom. I know you can. I'm out. Bless you. Yeah.